This is the Do Big Things podcast, where we want to inspire you to do big things. This podcast is brought to you by Big Things Crewing, a service for ultra runners from beginner to elite. Not only can we get you trained up, but we can also crew you into the finish line. Find us at big-things-crewing.com. Now, here is your host, Adam McRoberts. All right, Daniel Hobbs, how you doing, man? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for I'm having me on. Good, absolutely. No, I'm looking forward to hearing your story. Um, you said you were just doing a workout before this. I'm curious yeah. what it was. What were you doing today? <laughs> um, I'm doing um, the uh, Beachbody Insanity. Ah, okay. <laughs> so yeah. you are you are a, a direct disciple of Andrew Hamilton then, because I, I know that's his favorite. Yep, he got me on this, and I swear <laughs> I curse his name every time I do it. It's hard. <laughs> How? So you are still in Minnesota? Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Bl- Bloomington, Minnesota. So I'm from Wisconsin originally, but um, I definitely want to hear not only how did you fall in love with the Colorado 14ers, but I guess first of all, how did you meet a- Andrew Hamilton and Andrea Sansone? Uh, I met them. I called Andrew actually before I started off on my record uh, okay. last year because I was really confused about some of the 14er rules. Mm. And um, Andrew was like my hero for my like my entire ad- adult life. <laughs> Same. Like, the, yeah, the god of like you know Colorado mountaineering. And yeah. um, so uh, so anyways, I reached out. We set up a time for a call and. Uh, call happened i thought it was just gonna be like five minutes to answer my questions we had like the best two hour conversation i've ever had it was amazing the whole time i was like giddy because it was you know my hero and be like meeting the president probably probably <laughs> you know more exciting for me than meeting the president honestly yeah. and um yeah so that's that's we connected by that and then um we met climbed a mountain together and then uh, i hung out with them personally and i uh, i was uh, ran crew uh, for Andrea on her Nolan's run uh, this year, Nolan's record. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, that's that's kind of the story. Now, I'd, I'd say they're great friends of mine. That's cool, man. That's really cool. Well, they're both special people. And yeah, in the Colorado mountaineering world, they're like, <laughs> I almost hate to say it, but like gods, man. Uh, yeah. Everybody looks up to them and they've got yeah. a lot of knowledge and they're willing to share all that knowledge with people who are interested in the same pursuits. So, yeah, they're yeah. definitely special people. But how did you, as a Midwestern guy, fall in love with the Colorado 14ers? And, you know, I'm even more curious about how uh, one trains for setting the speed record. I mean, so I, yeah. I know this isn't about me, but real quick, uh, 14 yep. years ago, I think I was living in Wisconsin and decided to come out and climb all the 14ers and okay. lived in my truck and climbed them all. And, you know, it took me a couple months. I averaged like one a day and, okay. uh, I'm just, that's awesome. Yeah. It's, it is an accomplishment for myself at the time. And, but I'm just curious, like, how does a Midwesterner even train for something like this? I mean, it's such a big feat for even for someone who lives in Colorado, let alone a Midwesterner. Like, how did this all start for you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, one question first, what part of Wisconsin are you from? I'm from Wisconsin too. Originally. Oh, really? I'm from Janesville originally. Oh, cool. 
Austin. Do you I'm know Janesville? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. I know Janesville. Yeah. Okay. I'm other side of the state, but I'm from Eau Claire. So. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Well, cheers. Uh, yeah. So it started for me um, oof, years ago. So my dad uh, got a job in Colorado and he actually flew every week to Colorado. And when he was out there, he would, um, he would, get bored after work and go climb mountains uh so uh when i would go to visit him um you know 17 18 19 years old uh he'd say hey let's go let's go hike something so that kind of started but i actually i really hated it um to be honest my, <laughs> my, my first mountain experience i have zero positive memories about it at all like, I, I literally hated it i was altitude sick it was cold it was snowy i, I didn't even make it to the top it was it was one of the worst things I had ever done. Uh, and so um, it really wasn't until my 20s um, that I got into it. Um, I'm divorced and remarried. And um, but out of my divorce, I, I was dealing with some severe depression, a battle with suicide. And I'm a, I'm a spiritual person. I believe in God. And uh, literally one day I sat up in my bed. Um, and when I say like, um, you know, dealing with depression. I mean, I was in bed like 23 hours a day. I couldn't work. It was really bad. Mm. Um, and I sat up in bed and said, I'm going to go climb the Colorado 14ers to beat depression. <laughs> and I like literally covered my mouth up uh, because I had no, like it just came out of me. Uh, it wasn't me. It was, I, I believe it was God. Just Higher just, power. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it just, it just came out and I was like, Oh my gosh. All right. Well, I guess that's how I'm going to beat depression. <laughs> and, uh, um, I, I didn't even know there was 58 of them. Uh, when I found out, I was like, Oh, that's a lot. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> that's, uh, that's more than I had bargained for. But, uh, so that was in like May of 20, uh, 2013. And, uh, so I trained, um, I have two kids. They were pretty young at the time. Um, I was in Minnesota living basically in downtown Minneapolis and which is the whole area is flat as a pancake. So, um, I put my two kids in a burly and, and bike them around town and that was my training and I, uh, I did what you did I went to Colorado and I climbed them all um, I really had no set plans I showed up in a Saturn uh, SL2 <laughs> and um, I really had no idea what I was getting into I, I printed off all the routes on 14ers.com and um, you know about 10 days after I got there I left I, I bought a Tacoma I found a Tacoma an old four-wheel camper um, on Craigslist and bought that and uh, went at it and I finished them in 24 days actually the first time and wow I had, I had like no plans no no idea how that was gonna go I was terrified I mean it was so mentally hard because I was so inexperienced and so terrified the whole time mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I can relate believe me yeah yeah I bet I mean a lot of ways this, the setting the record was less uh, mentally difficult because I knew what I was getting into and sure. uh, yeah so but I finished them in 24 days and would you know what I beat depression um, it wasn't like the end of it instantly but it was I was over the hump and that was that was my path out of depression um, but I finished them in 24 days that kind of set this seed that wow I'm, I'm pretty fast at climbing mountains maybe this is something I could do uh, you know or the, you know I was aware of the record I had been following Andrew's exploits. And um, so for literally every day from that time until I set the record, it's, I thought about it every day. Um, mm. That's just what I wanted to do with my life. It was the one thing in 2015, I sat myself down and said, what, what are the things you can't live without? Like if I got old and I looked back and said, you know, I, 
I regret not doing this. That was the one thing that I said I can't live without is if I don't, um, if I do not set this record, I, I'll just hate myself forever. So, uh, so yeah, that's that's the background. So this record was like calling your name. It was something you couldn't live without. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, good and bad. <laughs> um, it, it was, it, it was, you know, I, I honestly, it wasn't like asking for it. It's just, it was there. It was in my mind. Um, I was in my downtown Minneapolis office with a, you know, suit coat on in 2015. And I saw the news article that Andrew had broken um the supported record and, and that was the moment i said what am i doing like i don't want to be here i don't want to have this suit jacket on this isn't me that is me that should be i remember i specifically said that should be me now granted i don't think i'll ever set the supported record um but but uh you know that and, and so yeah it was it was like a calling i would say and and i i um, sorry for rambling, but like I, oh. I find my happiness in the mountains. You know, I beat depression, um, but you know the the what I find in the mountains that help me beat depression um, continues with me on mountains today. Just a sense of joy and inner peace and calmness and confidence. All, all of those things are just they're amazing when I'm when I'm up there. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> What is your background? Are you a runner? Uh, were you into anything athletic growing up? Um, like you have to have some sort of base level fitness to just to even come out and climb the 14ers. Yeah. Um, I actually have never competed in a single sport, uh, like competitively ever. <laughs> I didn't play a single sport growing up. Uh, I, uh, I only started running after I climbed them all the first time okay. in, uh, in 2013. Um, so I came home from that. I was pretty fit, uh, ran my first marathon and a bunch of five and 10 Ks. And I've, I try to run a marathon every year now. Um, okay. but yeah, it was all very late in life. I mean, I was, I don't know, what was I 27 or something when I set the, when I climbed them the first time. And so okay. that was, that was literally the start of anything athletic in my life. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't think I had run more than two miles in my life. At, at any given time before wow. that. <laughs> wow. So, well, um, that's pretty yeah, impressive. Really, yeah, really no background, but now it's a big part of my life. <laughs> um, it's funny, man. So it seems like we have a lot in common. Uh, when I came out and climbed the 14ers originally, <clears throat> excuse me, after climbing all day, every day, <clears throat> and getting used to this almost endorphin rush every day, and that yeah. being uh, almost like an antidepressant, it was for yeah. me as well. Then you come back home to the Midwest and there's no mountains. And it's like, what do I do with my time? And that's when I started running as well. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. We have a lot in common. That's really, <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah. Cause I mean, there's only a few things you can do around here. Uh, running is running is one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm also interested in the depression aspect, if you don't mind talking about it, like how dark and deep did it get for you? Was it something clinical or diagnosed or was this a self-diagnosis? Um, just like, I'm yeah. curious what that looks like. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was dark for sure. I, um, I had almost a year battle with suicide. Um, and I, um, you know, I, it was rough. I don't want to get into all the details, but like mm -hmm. it was, it was really bad at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, it was, it was a dark place to be and it's a place I never want to go back to. I, I did not 
have it diagnosed. Um, I didn't think I needed it diagnosed. It was pretty obvious. Yeah. You know, when you when you can't get out of bed for 23 hours um, a day, that's that's pretty rough. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, now it's a big part of my journey. Honestly, like I I'm glad I beat it. I'm glad I beat suicide. Obviously, I want to be here. Um, but for me, I've I mean, I've been able to help other people going through that. But also, like it's it's in my past, and, it, and it's part of me, and it's part of my story. And it motivates me, honestly, to keep moving, you know, like to having that behind me is motivating in life. And every, every day without that is a good day. Yeah. hundred percent. And you said that you beat depression and, uh, a lot of people struggle with that or depression kind of follows them their whole life. Um, did you just strictly beat it by, getting outside and climbing or was there anything else you were doing like i don't know journaling or antidepressants or therapy or anything like that or was it just solely getting outside and climbing the mountains uh climbing was a big climbing was a big part of it but you know like you said then i had to come home <laughs> yeah and and you know it's it's especially this time of year you know it's uh, i'm looking out my window it's i haven't seen the sun in like four days and uh it's miserable out and <laughs> That's hard. So yeah, I mean, I do still deal with like some seasonal depression living in Minnesota. I think pretty much our entire state does, to be honest. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, I mean, if I could stay in the mountains all the time, that'd be amazing. I think that would be helpful. But you know, you got to find other ways in life to deal with that. I, I started running back home. I, you know, my social circles changed. I, I found a great group of people who cared a lot about me and uh, that changed a lot of things as well. Um, you know, there was a lot, I mean, I was, I was post-divorce. It was a really messy situation. There was a lot of really heavy stuff back then. And so a lot of it can be circumstantial or situational, um, as well. And if you can focus on finding the situations and circumstances that help you, um, not, you know, dive down into the dive back into depression or you know not dive is the wrong word but fall you know i i liken depression and suicide as like a dream if you've ever had a falling dream where you never stop falling and you're like reaching out trying to find the walls or something to hang on to and they're just not there and you just keep falling and falling mm-hmm. and falling that's 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 how i could describe depression mm-hmm. um, like there's nothing to hang on to there's nothing to stop you there's nothing you don't know how you got there and there's no way to stop it um so for me, like finding life choices where I find the good things that help me avoid it altogether um, and then really focus on those and try really hard to avoid the things that, that push you back towards it. So. Yeah. Do you have any other, before we get into the 14ers, I'm, I'm just curious yeah. about this. Do you have any like tips or tricks or say anybody's listening to this and they're depressed and they're wondering what they can do? Um, sure. Getting outside and moving, obviously a big deal. And I'm a strong proponent of that. And I encourage people to do that, but, uh, any, anything else that you, that worked for you? Um, yeah, I mean, I would want to preface this and say, I think one of the worst things is, uh, when you are dealing with depression, some people have lifelong well chronic depression is people trying to solve it for you. <laughs> so, um, I, I shouldn't even laugh. Like it's, it's people, Oh, if you just do this, you'll be fine. You know, there's nothing like that. There's literally anything I say doesn't necessarily apply to anyone else. Everyone's depression journey is their own and and it's unique to them and it happens in its own way to them i i will say i mean there are some things that are helpful that probably help 
a lot of people but yeah getting outside i honestly believe like humans and nature were made to interact with each other and um a lot of the mental health um you know crisis that the whole world is in honestly is is rooted in how we now live our lives we live in these very controlled environments we live in cities with high-rise towers we live you know in in cement jungles and and even if we don't like i live in uh bloomington and basically the woods here um it's gorgeous outside but you know in the winter i'm inside my house almost 24 hours a day or inside an object you know a man-made object or another building um and it just i don't think we're made to live like that i think mm. i think we're we inherently find um joy and life by interacting in nature um and so with that said i think if anyone would benefit from getting out of the cement jungle and and getting out of the noise and getting out of the the house and the man-made and everything and just just get out in nature where it's quiet it's just you and something you know natural it doesn't even have to be in the summer the snowy winter woods are incredible just sit down and just hear the hear the silence and mm. and i think most people would find some healing from that situation mm. mm -hmm. that's beautiful so you were i mean debilitated right you're in bed 23 hours a day and you get this sort of vision something speaks to you and says you're going to go climb the colorado 14ers and at this point, it sounds like you're willing to call that God or your higher power. Um, what was that experience like? That had to have been daunting. Uh, the the God speaking to me or going to climb them? <laughs> <laughs> well, both. But well, both. Yeah. Both. Yeah. While you're in uh, bed and you're not feeling sure. good about life and uh, you yeah. get this almost like a premonition. Yeah. I mean, I literally like put my hand over my mouth. Uh, because I was like, what the heck was that? Um, yeah, I mean, I was just, but I was at a rock bottom, honestly, anything I was looking for anything. And okay. so when that happened, it was like, all right, well, great. You know, like finally something that sounds good. Um, mm. and so anything sounded good. And, you know, from, from the get go, I was like, well, there's, you know, I, I literally didn't know there was 58 mountains. I, I didn't know yeah. that until later. Me too. Um, me too. <laughs> when I went to climb them, I'm like, I wonder how many there are. Holy yeah. crap. 58. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, exactly. That's going to be a lot of work. Um, yeah. So like I, I started training and just that, like I knew I had to train, go climb something. So that, that got me out of the house too. Um, yeah. I just got out on my bike and started biking the bike trails in Minneapolis. And that was, that was a huge improvement just to begin with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was like, it was scary that whole summer. I was scared to death. I mean, it really wasn't until, um, you know, the end of climbing them, uh, the last day, the last minute of the last day that I wasn't scared that year. <laughs> it, was, it was like, oh my gosh, I was like, I couldn't sleep. I mean, it was terrible because I needed sleep, obviously, but I was like so scared about the next day that I, I just, I couldn't even sleep at night often. Um, so yeah, wild times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, okay. So starting with 2013, um, and so Correct me if I'm wrong, but you've climbed all the 14ers twice at this point. Uh, it, all, most of them three to seven times. Okay. And the only one I have only climbed less than three is Culebra. Uh, uh, for I, obvious I, reasons. Yeah, my, my technical 14er finisher was on the record when I climbed Culebra. 
Uh, and I totally, I totally forgot that it was my last one that I had never, never climbed. <laughs> I got like halfway back down, and I was like, oh shoot, I didn't even get a picture. Um, so, anyways, yeah, but yeah, at least three times. Many of them, five to seven times. At this okay, point. sure, sure. And in 2013, how did you navigate like the logistics of this whole project? Because you were probably going into this with the same mindset as me. Like, I, I don't know Colorado. Uh, I don't know what these mountains are like. I don't know how to connect them in a way that makes sense. It's all just kind of up in the air. And this is going to be one crazy adventure. Yeah. Yeah. I was very untechnological about it. Um, <laughs> I had, I had my um, Delorme paper map and my, another printed Colorado map. And I just, I put little stickers where all the mountains were and I got a highlighter out and I, I drew routes between them and I, I put them in order. I did read Cave Dog's record route, um, but I really didn't follow it. That's kind of irony now looking back. I'm just like, why didn't I just do what he did? Mm. Um, for some reason, I thought I had a better idea than he did, I guess. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I started on Pike's Peak, which was a really dumb thing to do and um, finished on Longs. Um, so there was some like, I like reversed the first half of the cave dog route and then probably followed it pretty well on the second half. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was poorly planned. I lost an entire day wandering around in circles because uh, my paper map said there was a road over the Sangres um, from the West side up to Mosca pass, which there is only a road to the East side. Uh, <laughs> and so I'm in sand dunes national park with my map driving around in circles on these like sandy roads that are almost non-existent and this ranger i finally run into a ranger and i'm like where is this road it's on the map i need to get to the other side of the mountain range and he just starts laughing he's like i think they closed that in like 1941 or something <laughs> <laughs> so, so that was the level of expertise i had uh the first time around it was it was rough it was uh, a trial by fire i did a lot of learning um and uh yeah i mean yeah there's a lot of things to find out like how bad the coma road is and oh yeah you know all that sort of stuff so for sure yeah there's a huge learning curve there in the beginning yeah. but to have finished 58 peaks in 24 days i mean that's pretty huge especially for someone who's not familiar with colorado you must have been averaging two to three peaks a day to get that done um what was your mindset at that point um I mean, I was still, honestly, I was still like, I needed to feel value in myself, myself. That's why I went fast. Like I, I, I wanted to feel accomplished and I, I wanted to do them as fast as I could. I actually had no idea when I started how fast that was going to be. <laughs> um, sure. Like I didn't really have a, I was like, man, if I could get these done in 30 days, that would be insane. Like, and if I don't get them done, if it takes me 40, that's fine too. Um, and, you know, just every day I just kept plugging away uh, and somewhere in, you know, halfway through, I was like, I think I'm going to get this less than 30. And then really didn't, honestly, I had no idea how long it was going to take until I finished. Um, but yeah, I just, I needed to find value in myself. And that was, that was the majority of it. I needed to, to find out how much I could do and how capable I was as a person. So I could find value back in myself. And, mm. and, and that is a, uh, you know, I, I do have some natural premonition in the mountains and I found that out that, you know, I'm, I'm, 
better at this than most people. <laughs> mm-hmm. And at that time in my life, I felt like I was worse at everything than most people. And, and so to have that was, was really meaningful for me. And my, I'm an Enneagram three personality and achiever. And if I can't achieve then I'm not happy sort of thing. And so that was, that was valuable to me to discover that. Mm. And to ha- so to have like a month off to be able to do something like this, were you in between jobs or did you take a leave of absence from work or what do you do for a living? Uh, yeah, like I said, I had not worked in like a year uh, okay. at that point. So I, I had owned a business and sold it prior to that. And then I bought real estate. And, um, and so that's been kind of the backbone of things. And, you know, after the record, I went back to work and um so on and so forth i've I've taken the last two years off of full-time work Mm. uh um sorry after the after the 2013 climbing them i went back to work and then i i was able to take two years off because we own rental property and whatnot to set this record as well nice um why haven't you moved to colorado is it because of the rental properties and uh, what you have going on in minnesota or what's up no, I have uh, I have two kids, family, and ten years Got it. old, yep, yeah, yep. and their and their mom lives in Wisconsin. So Got it. Uh, that ties me here. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Wow, man. Um, okay, so 2013, you finish all the 14ers in uh, 24 days. You come back to Minnesota. What's life like? Are you just instantly a changed man, or is it still a process that you're going through? Yeah, I, I mean, depression was, I mean, it was like three or four years to really feel like I had got my hands on it. Uh, but, I mean, it was 50 to 70% better mm. by the time I got done climbing the 14ers. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that was great. It, it wasn't easy when I got home, though, because I came back, you know, and, and I started running, but life was still hard. I still was in the middle of divorce and had a lot of, uncertainty in life um because of that and i i love my kids and they meant more than anything to me but that situation was rough at the time and so yeah there's just a lot of heavy stuff um but i i you know got myself back to work and um you know started running i I think i ran like 20 races that fall after Mm. that Uh, (laughs) almost every i think every pr i have still in my life was from the fall of 2013. (laughs) (laughs) I still like, I just, I don't know. I got old, I guess. I just can't run that fast anymore. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, it was a journey though. And I, you know, like I said, I ended up starting a company and um, you know, it was, just wasn't me. Like that company that what was going on, it wasn't my personality. Um, and I had to go down that journey to figure that out. And um, yeah, so mm. I think one of the, one of the great things about maturity and growing up um and uh, growing up is i think something you mostly do as an adult <laughs> and uh as you find out like hey it's okay to be me and it's okay like i can i don't have to do these things that are not me um just because someone else says i should or whatnot like i can go work in something that is me that i find fulfilling and i i'll thrive in that situation i had to go through a journey of that and i think the mountains helped with that like ultimately if i could get paid to climb mountains that would really be me um but i suppose if that was the case a lot of people would be getting paid to climb mountains. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah it's a journey that's all i could say 
It is a journey. And I understand your um, connection to the mountains too. As soon as I got into the mountains for the first time, I just felt a real connection. I felt home and I felt yeah. relaxed, and, you know, and uh, I just felt like this is where I'm meant to be for some reason. I just felt, uh, you know, I, I think I've said it before on this podcast. Some people are really connected to the ocean. Some people are really connected to the mountains and I was just the yeah. mountain guy. So yeah. sounds like you're the same there. Yeah, definitely. I, I like the word you use home. I, I feel that way. Like I don't, I think that's a deep word if you really think about it. Mm -hmm. And often when I get back out there and I, um, I have family in Boulder, so I, you know, climb bears and eat us or something and just, just get up there after dark. I just, you know, it's just, it's just like release of tension and like, ah. and I've used that word multiple times. Like, ah, I feel home now. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's kind of beautiful. Nice. Yeah. I live in Boulder. So those are my oh, peaks, cool. man. I'm up and yeah. down those guys pretty regularly. So awesome. Um, okay. So, um, so you climbed all the 14ers, you come back to Minnesota, you run a bunch of races and you're doing some running at this point. Um, are you traveling back to Colorado occasionally and climbing 14ers in your spare time or what did that look like? Yeah. So between 2013 and 2020, um, I had climbed, I have a spreadsheet. I'm going to guess I'd probably climb 30 or 40 mountains in the interim there. Uh, my, so my dad is my lifelong climbing buddy. He's the mm. one who dragged me up and begin with. He's in his sixties, but most 20 year olds can't keep up with him. Um, I can still barely keep up with him uh, wow. <laughs> most of the time. And uh, yeah. And he loves the technical side of things and he doesn't like, 14 or trails he likes wandering off route and exploring yeah. and stuff yeah. so we've done every year i try to get out um there's only one year i didn't make it out um and every year i'd try to go out for a week or two um to climb and uh with dad and and that's always really awesome and then i ski as well so i've had the epic pass for five six years now and try to make it out there to ski in the winter as well okay cool and so did this idea of setting the, the speed record, was this a seed that was planted in your mind and something that was growing for a long time? Yeah, like every day it was in my mind since I, um, since I climbed them the first time, <laughs> like yeah. probably with it. I mean, I was, a, I was a real mess the first time in 2013. I weighed 133 pounds when I got done. It's not good for five foot 11 man you know? <laughs> um, i was a hot mess in fact this time uh, after the record i was better off physically than i was uh, that first time but you know so like a week after i you know had recovered finally in 2013 i was like i gotta i gotta do that again and faster <laughs> and and then you know i found out um it was a, it, it, it was years after that though that uh, peter's record finally got posted on fkt mm -hmm. uh, just because I don't think FKT was even around back then. Right, they were, right. That wasn't even on it. And so I didn't know, I knew there was a record. I had like talked to some people and heard, I think I had found out about Peter, but I didn't actually know any details about what the record was. So there was like a time of ambiguity. I was like, maybe I have the record. You know? like, <laughs> I don't know. I did it in 24 days. I literally couldn't find any actual details that anyone had done it faster. Um, and even though, you know, compared to the supported records, it was kind of silly uh, that 24 days should be a record. Uh, but uh, anyways, I, I did find out about Peter and the 16 day record. And um, 
And so, yeah, I mean, I literally have thought about this every day. Like my mind would wander. In fact, it was interesting that, uh, so I set the record, I stayed like a week in Colorado afterwards and then came home and I was at a local beach with my kids. It was a gorgeous, sunny Minnesota summer evening at, a, you know, our, our beach. They were off in the water playing and I was laying there and it occurred to me like, I don't have to think about the record anymore because that's literally where my mind went anytime I had a free moment ever in nine years and that was that was the moment it really sunk in that i had set the record just because i don't have to think about it anymore. Mm. Uh, uh, so yeah it, it just it was it had like permeated my entire life yeah nine years wow when did you get serious about it when did you put pen to paper start reaching out to andrew um and what what did that process look like yeah, so 2020, um, I was working for a nonprofit, uh, was not working out that great for me. Um, and so right before COVID, I didn't know COVID was going to happen. Um, and like, I don't know, it was like December or January, I, I gave them two months notice and, and left my job. And part of that was so that I could go set this record. And at the time, I thought I was going to set it in 2020 and then i thought i was going to set it in 2021 and then finally i said it in 2022 mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so but i i really needed those two years i i did not understand how little i knew to set this record and it, it a record like a 14-day self-supported record just like a 10-day you know supported record requires so much perfection um it is not something like oh i'm super fit i can go do this like the logistical side of it requires so much perfection so right. it really took it took a full two years of planning and training and and trying routes and then realizing they're wrong and then you know re-strategizing and hundreds of hours at my computer from 2020 all the way through you know july of 2022 to get it right wow and i really didn't even have it right until well, I, I still don't have it right. I know I can do it faster because I realized in the middle of the record, I, I screwed something up logistically. <laughs> I, I, I was like, I could have saved a whole half a day by this. But anyways, uh, it's a journey again. For sure. And then, um, so 2022, did you uh, come out here in like August, September range of the year? Or when did you do this? Uh, I, I started July 5th and finished July 19th. Also July. Okay. So a little yeah. bit early in the season. Um, did you run into snow or what was it like during that time? Yeah. So I got out, um, I wanted to come out in May, but my kid's school went longer than I thought it would. Um, and then I got out in early June and I thought I was going to go straight into the mountains. I wanted to get 30 summits done to get my, you know, just, it's a thing of mine. If you get 30 summits, I feel like, uh, climbing mountains becomes more like work than some great endeavor. And then it's a lot easier to set a record that way <laughs> when it's just, it's just, you know, that's what I'm going to do today. Um, and it didn't work out. So I, the full first week, my van wasn't ready and I, it took a whole week to get it ready. And um, so it was middle of June when I started and there was so much snow and ice in the middle of June still. Oh my gosh. Uh, my first, there was a lot of other problems. So I, I mean, there was snow, ice. The first, I went to start on the Wilsons. Um, so I drove down, you know, over by Telluride and I got up the Wilson road and there was like 50 trees down across the road from the winter. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I ended up spending an entire day chainsawing my way up the 
Wilson Road. So if you've, if you've done the Wilsons this year, you can thank me for opening that road. Uh, uh, and then I, yeah, I mean, it was a long day with a chainsaw. And, uh, you know, and then that, like, I left at 1 a.m. the next day to climb all three of them. And then I was going to go try to get three more mountains that afternoon. And like the entire approach was, it was ice. I mean, it had been melted snow in the day. And then at 1 a.m. it was about 20 degrees and solid ice. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, there was like, and that was, that was a trend through a lot of June. Um, a lot of that melted out by July. Um, there was very little snow and ice in July, um, which was good in some situations. And it would have been easier between like capital and snowmass if there had been more snow and ice because uh, the rock is so rough, but um so yeah it was like it was a good mix this year i would say i think i really lucked out i mean not to jump ahead but like i i the weather was hard but it was worse like every other set of two weeks the entire summer was worse than when i did it <laughs> and uh -huh. it wasn't it wasn't great but like everyone else had worse weather climbing anything either before or after i i, I set the record so okay not complaining at all yeah so between June and July, were you just waiting for a weather window? No, I was trying to get all, I, I still had a lot of questions on my route, even though in 2021, I climbed all the 14ers at least once um, to figure out these routes. And then I spent you know, hundreds of hours on my computer. I still had like a whole bunch of questions coming into 2022. And so I was trying to answer all of those in, in June. Um, and I also like, I had no idea if I could, climb that fast i had never done that many mountains you know i had to do over four mountains a day on average and so i i did the first third of the record and i tried to do it at the full record pace and i completely failed like it was terrible i mean i was like i was a hot mess i it took me almost twice as long as i needed to to set the record and i was like i was kind of down about it because i'm like well shoot you know like well, how am I going to set the record? I can't even do a third of it in one stretch, you know? And, and so, um, that's when Andrew really helped out. Uh, that's, I had called him after I went and climbed those. I, I ended up getting 25 summits in June. Um, and then I called Andrew in the middle of that, was, uh, looking for advice and, you know, no one's better than Andrew for mm -hmm. how to climb the 14ers and set records. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. um, he was amazing. Uh, what a wonderful person on top of that. And uh, he, he gave me, you know, it wasn't like he told me which mountain to do when and how. It was more some overall advice and, and a strategy shift and stuff that I had. Um, he mainly told me to slow down like you're going too fast just slow down like you got to get 14 days of this you know you got to get the record and the record's at 16 days so slow down i was trying to do it in 12 to start with and he was like there's no record if you don't finish uh so, mm -hmm. um so yeah that was that was great and that changed things i kind of redid the whole route in june uh, my van got hit um i was supposed to start june 27th or no june 29th and somebody hit me on june 20 or something like that um bent the rear axle on my van uh, it was a horrible experience they actually intentionally hit me and pushed me off the road um, yeah it was really bad and then he got a, he tried to run me over when i got out of my van and then he tried to physically attack me like punch me when he got out of his car it was all very crazy uh it was yeah it was it was bad uh, uh, the guy had like three pages of assault on his record and it was it was a really 
wrong place at the wrong time. However, wow. um, I was really bummed because the, it ripped the rear tire off my van, dented, and the whole side was crumpled up. Um, I'm actually just picking it up next Tuesday. <laughs> it's been in the shop for two months. Um, and um, it, yeah. And so this is like three days before I'm supposed to start the record. And I don't have any idea how this is going to happen. So I, I was able to get the spare on, get it back to Buena Vista. And, um, you know, the tire shop in town ordered a tire, which is going to come in on Monday. Um, I found out the axle was bent. Um, so I had to take it back, um, took it back to Longmont and uh, found somebody who dropped everything they were doing to figure out how to get that thing fixed in like two days. And it was amazing, but it, it delayed the record a week. And, and the worst part was, is when it happened, I had no idea if I could delay the record a week because I had my permit for Calabra and I had my train reservation already. Oh. And if I del delayed it a week, that means I was starting on July 4th holiday weekend. And I called the, I called the Silverton train and the first person I talked to said, no, there's nothing like the entire week. You're, you're screwed. You know, there's no mm. availability. Mm. <laughs> and I just about died. Um, Cause you know, two years of my life invested in this. And then yeah. the, the Calebra thing, you know, they had no reason to change my reservation either. And, and um, if they say no, then I'm just toast. And, and there's over one crazy road rage incident that this guy had. And, and so um, I ended up, I talked to a friend um, out there and they were like, Oh, call, call the train back. Like, depending on who you get, I bet you'll get a different answer. I'm like, that's, don't they just have a computer system <laughs> that tells them what's well, so those turns, it turns out like the next day I called them back and they were like, Oh yeah, we got available any day. What do you want? Um, anyways, but for like 24 hours, I thought this whole thing was over. It was, right. I was like, I was a mess. I mean, I was, I was angry. I was crying. I was like, Oh, I was so mad. Um, you know that all this was happening all of a sudden after two years of my life and and here we are and and you know Calebra, you know all those sell out in like february so if if they don't move it i'm never going to get one and they all and their reservations end in the end of july so it's not like i had much time to make this happen anyway so that was a crazy whole thing and i started i mean and that's why i started july 5th instead of a week earlier and uh, turns out that was amazing though because the weather that week that i was supposed to start was the worst um i tried to go climb a couple mountains that week and i got destroyed i mean i it took me over a day to recover off of getting blasted by yale in a massive thunderstorm after dark um, mm. like it was like hypothermic all sorts of stuff um, so turns out god was watching out for me yeah totally totally um and then what was the very first peak? Uh, so I started in Chicago Basin and okay. climbed Elois. Got going at 140 a.m. and uh, a storm. And got lost about 20 times trying to find the top of Elois. <laughs> it was a rough way to start. Um, I, I lost. I had to get, you know, you got to get in the train um, at 1040 a.m. So you have to get four mountains done and, and get down from Chicago Basin to the train which is six miles, three, six and a half, almost seven miles and 3,000 feet uh, by 10.40 a.m. And by the time I got off of Elois, I was an hour behind. And then I was altitude sick on Wyndham. Um, I had to sit down like five times and I was dizzy and my eyes were blurred out. And, um, that was a hot mess that first day. <laughs> <laughs> so I made the train. I ran from the top of Wyndham to my campsite literally took the poles off the tent, my sleeping bag, my food, everything was in the tent. I just shoved it in my backpack 
and shoved the poles in it and, and ran all six miles with a full backpack to the, to the train uh, to make it and wrecked my knees on day one of the record. That was, that was bad. <laughs> okay. Nothing perfect. So yeah, yeah, this is a great start to this. Yeah. And so I had to, Oh, Pete, sorry, not to, not to ramble, no, you're but good. Peter, Peter Jones, the guy who had the record for 26 years, um, he missed the train uh, when he did it. And he had to hike out to purgatory, then hitch a ride to his car. And so he lost like almost a day. And he told me that before I left. Um, and he's like, don't ever do what I did. You know, he's like, that, that was horrible. And it just, you know. And so the whole time I, I'm like, oh my gosh, what the, you know, like, <laughs> I, I'm going to, I'm going to end up just like Peter told me not to. And he's going to be like, oh, that idiot. I told him not to do that. <laughs> so, oh gosh. So, okay. So day one is not going exactly like you had hoped. Um, is there any doubt in your mind? Uh, do you think maybe I should just pack this in and start over in a week or so? Or did you, what, what was going through your mind there? Uh, well, back to the reservation thing of Calebra, I was pretty sure I had run my good graces out with the Calebra management. Sure. Um, I, I had to beg for more than one thing from them already. <laughs> and, and then I had to change it a week, you know, and uh, that was, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I was out of good graces. And so the first five days until I got both Chicago Basin and Calebra done, I was stressed out because I had to stay on schedule. Mm. Otherwise, I was either going to lose a day by having to leave the San Juans and then drive to Calebra, get Calebra done, and then drive back to the San Juans, which is, you know, a long drive. Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, I was, the whole thing was going to be over and I wasn't going to set a record in 2022. Um, so it rained a lot those first couple of days and I got destroyed in the San Juans. It was hard. Uh, it was, it was tough. First day went bad. Uh, second day was harsh. Uh, third, yeah. Every day was, it was rough, but getting Calebra done was a huge relief. Um, just to, just to make, you know, just to get that weight off my shoulders, because at that point, like as long as I could get done in less than 16 hours, I could screw up quite a bit after that and, or 16 days. Um, uh, you know, I could screw up quite a bit and still end up with a record okay after calebra yep yep and for anybody listening in case they're curious calebra is a uh is private it's a 14 or but it's on private property and you have to call and make a reservation and pay a fee in order to go climb this thing so um yeah i can understand how a lot was hanging on that because reservations fill up fast yeah yeah, yeah i mean they were sold out for the year yeah like in in february or something like that so, so yeah that was uh, that was tense and i think that makes those situations the permits um uh, make the overall 14 er record a very complex and difficult record to set. totally because uh, you can't just like oh it didn't work out i'll start next week you know i'll start over that's not a thing like it's yeah. just that's not how it works okay and you have your van at this point you have it back yeah, so the uh, super nice gentleman, um, I'll plug his name because he saved the day, <laughs> but the guys at All American Auto in, in Longmont, I'm not paid to advertise for them, but like <laughs> he was moving, the owner of the shop was moving his house, his personal house that day that I showed up and he, his, his office guy called him and he dropped moving his personal house and came to the shop and said, I'll get your van fixed in 24 hours. Whoa. Um, and that was like... 
you know, right before the July 4th weekend, I had called like 10 other shops and everyone just kind of laughed at me. Like, yeah, we're like two, three weeks out. Um, good luck. You know? And so he saved the day. I had the van, the van worked flawlessly for the entire record. Um, is it a four wheel drive van? It is. Its name is beast. Uh, it's a, a serious four wheel drive van. Nice. <laughs> it's, it's got 36 inch tires, uh, lockers on both front and rear axle. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a pretty serious van. It's nice. Got a lot of, I could go on for hours about beast. <laughs> but that had to have been a huge advantage as far as uh, getting this project off the ground. Just you got to have a four wheel drive vehicle and something you can sleep in. Um, yep. It sounds like you were set up pretty perfect there. Yeah, I, I bought Beast and built it specific for the record. Um, uh, so it was modified. I took the passenger seat out and put a, a microwave where the passenger seat was <laughs> um, so that I could make food while I drove. Um, I, yeah, the whole thing was custom built just for the record. Um, wow. Max, maximum maximum 14er racing efficiency. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so you're out here all by yourself. You said that you have family in Colorado. Um, so were you keeping in contact with people and did people know what you were doing or was this just a completely off the grid solo project? Well, you have to be, it's interesting because there's two sets of rules. There's the FKT rules and then there's the 14 rules. 14 rules have developed over a much longer amount of time. And one of those rules is you got to have a GPS tracker on you all the time. Mm. Um, and so um, everyone knew where I was the entire time. Mm. And, um, even though I was on my own, I, the whole world was watching. It seemed like, <laughs> uh, but I didn't, I didn't know how much that was a case until I got back and saw like, there was this massive online following of me and people would wake up in the middle of the night just to find out where I was. At the time. <laughs> it, was it was kind of fun. So you had posted a link online before, before you started. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Got it. So family's able to track you and the rest of the world's able to track you. So yeah, when you make an announcement like that to the world saying, this is what I'm going to do, that makes it real. <laughs> is yeah. that kind of the feeling that you had in your stomach when you, when you posted that? That's kind of a gut check for a lot of people. And some people don't have the guts to post that online in the beginning of the journey. They, you know, if, right. and when they, they, they set the record, then they, yeah. Okay. This is what I did. Then they let everybody know. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I mean, it was, I didn't want to do it <laughs> to be honest. It's required, uh, by the rules to do it. Uh, because yeah, like now everyone's watching and now, now the pressure's on, you know, yeah. if I fail, the whole world's going to know that I fail. And, um, but the flip side of that is it's pretty motivating to not fail. Um, right. you know, like everyone, one knows you're here so better make this happen and i think there was only one time in the whole record where that thought crossed my mind of like you know get up dan get moving everyone's watching don't let them see you fail at this point mm. so that wasn't necessarily a motivator for you no i'm really internally motivated it had no one ever known i had done i i set this record i would have done it anyways um sure that might have might have even been my preference that no one knew I did. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, I'm a pretty quiet person. Uh, as days. as most mountain people are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. Yep. Um. So 
if you don't mind, like walk us through a typical day out there. I mean, you're doing three to four mountains a day, I think it's, it sounds like, and, and yeah. these aren't point to points because it's just you with one vehicle. So I'm assuming most of these endeavors are like a, a, either an out and back, or you're creating a loop so that you can come back to your van. But what does a typical day look like for you out there? Uh, boy, I'm not sure there is a typical day. Yeah, they're probably all uh, different. Yeah, you're just yeah. improvising. Um, all right. Well, I'll just give you a day. You know, I'll pick one that stands from that. Well, let's just go for the, like the first two days. I'll just walk through that. Sure. That's easy. Um, so up at 1:40 a.m. Chicago Basin, make it. You know, climb four mountains, get back to the. Um, Elis is in the dark, you know, completely in the dark. Sun came up when I was close to the summit of sunlight and, uh, you know, get down 1040 AM, take the train, get to Silverton, get my van, uh, drive from Silverton to yeah, Yankee boy basin, start snaffles at, you know, mid afternoon, um, get done with snaffles, drive to, um, uh, rock, uh, rock of ages trailhead, uh, which is, you know, it's like a two hour drive. Uh, so I got to rock of ages at, after dark. I think I got to bed at 10 30 or 11 PM that night. And, um, my ambition to only eat while I'm driving. So I had more time to sleep was not practical because driving a nine foot tall, 10,000 pound four wheel drive van is mostly a two-handed activity. <laughs> uh, and so um, I did end up not having the efficiency I was hoping for uh, while driving. But, uh, you know, so let's, I don't know exact time. I could look it up. But, you know, let's just say I went to bed at 10.30, 11 p.m. I was back up at 1.30 a.m. Uh, the next morning to go climb uh, the Wilson Group and um, got done with that at 10 30 or 11 a.m get to the van throw some food in the microwave uh, take my recovery drink and then i had you know a three-hour drive over overpass and cinnamon pass which is all four-wheel drive driving yes it is yeah it's so exhausting and that's the thing when i when i made all my plans to set the 12-day record uh, which you know i set a 14-day record but initially i had this 12-day thing in my mind i did not account for how tired four-wheel drive driving makes you, <laughs> yeah. you know, after that three hour drive from the Wilsons, cause I've been up since one, you know, one thirty AM, but like I was exhausted. Oh my gosh. Mm. Like I was like, I needed a nap from the driving kind of thing. Um, so, you know, three, three and a half hour drive over to, uh, what handies, I think it is yep. over there. Handies peak, um, you know, and following the Colorado rules. So you can't just drive up to, uh you know american basin american basin yeah yeah i gotta not only not drive up the american basin road at all i gotta drive down the main road in mile um to get that elevation the three thousand feet below the summit um i was dead tired i took a five ten minute nap um after the drive and then took off got to the top of handies um right before eh, half an hour before dark i guess it was about dark when i got down back to the road uh, so, you know, it's, it's, I don't know what time it probably was. Let's say 8 PM, nine, eight thirty nine When I get back to my truck, uh, drove the 40 minutes from where I parked the van to, um, the sunshine 
Sunshine and Red Cloud mm-hmm. uh, Trailhead. The correction, I, I said Sunshine Peak in Chicago Basin. That's Sunlight Peak uh, earlier. Oh. Uh, yep, Sunshine, Red Cloud. Um, I ate dinner there. You know, uh, went to bed at 10:30 p.m. Woke up at 12:30 a.m. and you know, so that's two hours of sleep. And took off for Sunshine and Red Cloud. Got back at dawn from that. Got an hour of sleep and kept going. So that, that's that's how it goes. <laughs> um, little little increments of sleep. I averaged I think three and a half hours of sleep during the record. Three and a half hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, only twice did I get more than that in a single shot. And one of those times was the last day. I just said, fuck it. I, I just don't care. I'm going to set the record either way. I'm going to get four hours of sleep right now. Okay. <laughs> it was not scheduled. It was, uh, I just was like, you know what? It doesn't matter. I need sleep. And that's yeah. how it's going to be. Do you typically do pretty well without sleep? Uh, I had never tried. <laughs> sleep before and i actually i tried it i think my answer to that is no because a i'd never really tried it and b uh i i did try it at home earlier that this year like in may and i was so crabby and mean to my family i was like after like two days i was like this isn't gonna work yeah. <laughs> like i'm just gonna be miserable to be around and you know i was really crabby and and so I gave it a two day try and said enough of that. We'll just see, see how this goes. So it was all just kind of on the fly. It sounds like, uh, you know, food and sleep are obviously essential to get a record like this done. But it sounds like those are sort of side pieces to your story. And it's like, I'll, I'll get to those when I get to those. Just got to keep yeah. going. Got to keep climbing. Yep. Yep. Got to keep going. Peter okay. Peter gave me great advice before I left. Uh, he told me one thing that I didn't believe turned out to be 100% true. He said, this is going to be miserable. You're going to hate yourself. <laughs> and I was like, no, I, I'm going to have, this is going to be awesome and exciting. And turns out it was miserable and I hated myself most of the time. Uh, <laughs> secondly, he said, just throw your plans out the window and just keep going. He said, mm-hmm. don't worry about your spreadsheets. Don't worry about your plans. Just don't stop. And mm-hmm. I think that was Andrew's advice too. I mean, that's Andrew's kind of motto is, you know, don't be afraid of going slow. Just don't stop. Mm. And, and so all the, all the things, you know, all the sleep, the food, I was stomach sick for eight of the 14 days. Um, that's a huge part of the whole record story. Um, and you know, like you just keep going, you know, the sickness made me go slower for sure. Uh, I was throwing up. I was nauseous and dizzy. I couldn't do the little bear Blanca Travers because I was too dizzy um, to do it and but you know I just kept going and and that's how you set a record is don't stop yeah yeah um what do you think you were sick from was it the altitude or uh yeah I mean altitude played into it I seem to have developed a dairy allergy Ah. (laughs) at a very inopportune time Uh, (laughs) and I think that the stress on my body brought out an existing dairy allergy because I'd had minor stomach issues for years. Just they weren't like at home, they were just annoying um, and nothing else. And then with that level of physical exertion and lack of sleep, it became serious where I was throwing mm-hmm. up every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, like you get in a, a car accident a few days before uh, the start of your record attempt 
you have yeah. a stomach ache out there for days. Is there any doubt in your mind? Is there any time you're saying, okay, maybe this isn't my time? Or are you just 100% confident moving forward the whole time? Um, I don't know if confidence is the word, but when I, when I started, I had every intention of finishing. Like okay. I had, it never once crossed my mind that I wasn't going to finish unless I died, but that crossed my mind. So mind. even if you were, <laughs> you're right, of course. So even if the record was out of reach, you were still going to finish the 14ers. Yeah, there was no question. If it took okay. me, uh, you know, 17 days, I was still going to just finish in 17 Got days. It. No, okay. no way on earth was I not going to finish. And Peter gave me that advice too. I really appreciate him being the prior record holder and me going after his record and taking the time to say these things. He's, mm -hmm. That was specifically one of the things he said. He said, if it looks like you can't finish, don't stop. Mm. He said, just, you'll hate yourself for the rest of your life if you didn't finish, um, even if you don't get the record. So... Um, I really appreciate him telling me that. I think that took a lot of the weight off of me of setting the record because my goal wasn't necessarily to set the record at that point. It was to finish as fast as I could, which okay. happened to be the record. Right, right. Okay, so I'm picturing uh, a very sleep-deprived man uh, hiking in the middle of the night, hiking in the daytime, eating whatever food scraps he can find along the way. Uh, am I painting a, a fairly clear picture of what this looked like in the middle of the attempt? Yeah. I mean, it was just around the clock and um, I didn't talk a whole lot to anyone. I'd say hi. I'm a nice guy on the trail. I say hi. Um, and yeah, I, I ate mostly in the van, you know, I'd eat what I could, a burrito sandwich, whatever. And uh, just granola bars and cashews on the trail. Okay. Okay. And at what point did you know that uh, you had the record with insight? Um, I think after, after I, so the last day, the day, uh, the last day of the Sawatch range. Um, so it was like an Albert, um, Albert or massive. I realized like something really bad is going to have to happen for me mm. to not get this record <laughs> right. you know like i still there's always the chance of getting injured or whatever uh but you know even if the weather is the worst weather anyone's ever seen like i'm still going to get this record mm. um and so i will i would have had to have like serious injury to stop me and that was good and bad at first it was like oh yes this is awesome i'm gonna have the record this is everything i dreamed about and then your mind, you know, especially at this point, because you're so sleep deprived, starts playing these tricks. And it was like, it was really mentally hard. The last four days were some of the hardest four days mentally because how was it? Your mind just kept saying, Hey, Dan, you got the record. Slow down, take a nap. Mm. You know? <laughs> I was like, All you got to do, Dan, is finish less than 16, 16 days and, you know, 13 hours. Like, what are you moving so fast for? And, and like, literally, it was like the little devil on your shoulder saying these things. Um, I really wish I had not been aware of that fact because it the last four days were really mentally tough because of that so are you slowing down during those four days or are you just trying to fight the demons in your head um i think i kept going at the rate i could have gone it, it, the last four days did not go well um my lowest point was on the second to last day i guess um 
and yeah i mean it was it was tough i don't know if i slowed down i didn't meet this is funny because i got the record right i should be like thrilled with myself i didn't meet either of the goals i had for myself of you know at first i wanted to have a 13 day something on the record and i got a 14 day and you know when i realized i couldn't get the 13 that was kind of a bummer and then uh, my other one is i wanted to beat the record by a full two days and i missed it by like a couple hours <laughs> so, mm. so when i finished i was mostly just bummed that i didn't get either of those goals um I, I wasn't like happy about setting the record i was bummed i missed those goals but i i did push pretty hard i had some i i screwed some strategy up i tried to push too hard too far out so like same as like on a marathon or really any running race like i i gave it a you know a kick at the end but i i i went out too early um and so I tried to cut all sleep down basically and only take 10 to 20 minute naps between mountains. And, um, that, that didn't work. And then <laughs> I had like total shutdown the second to last day and it was bad. It was, I was a real mess. I developed an uncontrollable cough. It was like, I was laying on top of Tories at dark and I, I was like, I just need 10 minutes to sleep, but I was coughing so hard consistently um that i couldn't even sleep um even though i was so tired and so i kind of i kind of shot myself on the foot on that one so you're literally pushing yourself to the brink of exhaustion out there yeah for sure every day <laughs> every day every day every yep. day <laughs> every day i thought tomorrow will be easy and guess what tomorrow wasn't any easier. <laughs> only easy day was yesterday <laughs> yeah, yeah um and so what was the last few peaks um so i finished on longs um it was the last day was um Bierstadt evans and longs and, okay um, that was the night before that i was gonna I got done with uh, Gray's Tories, which is when I was telling you I was coughing, mm -hmm. and then Gray's, and then got down at yeah, I don't know whatever it was, 10:30 p.m. I think it was or 11 p.m. And uh, that I was coughing uncontrollably, and what I was worried about was that 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 was like I was actually not going to set the record like this my body is going to get to a point where it's just going to stop and someone's going to have to take me to the hospital. I'm never going to get this record. So that's when I said, you know what, I'm going to sleep for four hours, even though I was just going to go to bed at 11 and wake up at 1 a.m. or 1230 or something and go try to get this record in less than, you know, get that two day thing mm -hmm. that I was looking for. Um, and that's when I gave it up. I said, you know what, what if I, I might not set the record altogether. So get that extra four hours. I got to start it up your stat at like, it was before dawn, but right before dawn, um, that whole thing was fine. It was very melodramatic. Drove to Longs. It's the only time in the entire record I had to stop driving partway and take a nap because mm. I was too tired to drive. Mm. Uh, my, I was driving while literally holding my eyes open like this. <laughs> and, and I set out from the beginning. I set it in my post before I started. I, I don't know how it's a rule. Andrew and I argued that you can make this rule, but... Um, I said that you have to be able to drive safe. Like there's, it, it was my rule that myself and anyone following me has to drive safe. And so as soon as I realized I was like holding my eyes open, I pulled over, took a nap on the way to Longs. Um, Longs was like a, a, a perfectly hard finish. It was storming the whole way up. Um, 
I got rained on, I got snowed on, I got hailed on, you know, and then I got to the um, the cables route, and mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever climbed cables route. I have, long. yeah. Yeah, it's not really that much fun in the storm. Uh, no, God, no. Yeah, it's so slick. I mean, in, when it's not raining, it's slick. And, like, whenever, yeah, it was, like, you know, it was just a perfectly hard finish. I, I talked to God. It was, like, look, uh, if it's storming when I get on top, I'm not going to go down cables, even though that was the plan. I'm going to have to go down the standard route. And I was hoping the whole way that, you know, it was going to burn off and the sun was going to come out didn't happen um thunder going non-stop when i got to the top and so took the took the standard route down literally slid down the home stretch it was you know it's all polished from people going up it but when it's wet it's like a slide so i literally mm-hmm. like sat on my butt and slid to the bottom of it um and uh, i ran all the way down and mm. um my body actually you know the weird thing was is my legs were other than my knees, which I burned up on day one, and they never really got too much worse than it was after day one. <laughs> they were bad the entire time. Um, and uh, But other than that, I had no issues. Like, I felt pretty great on the last one physically, uh, as far as other than being exhausted. And um, I ran, my family and some friends were at the finish line. Um, they all thought I was going to be like an hour and a half later. So I came, I came running in, and no one saw me coming <laughs> and i was like i'm screaming i'm waving my arms i'm like it's me i'm coming and i could see they were all like looking the other way drinking a beer and i was like someone take a picture <laughs> and no one got a picture of my finish um i got uh, somebody got a video you know so i got like a screenshot off the video um it was all really melodramatic though i mean it was not I cried probably 10 times during the record thinking about how amazing the finish was going to be. And then the day before the end, uh, the second to last day, I had a total mental breakdown on um, uh, coming off of Lincoln on DeCalibron. And like a total, like I was screaming and throwing things and crying. Like it was bad. Um, Like, like a little toddler throwing a fit and it went on for like 10 minutes too. Um, what and, was that all about? Uh, you know, it was, it was when I was trying to not sleep and I, I got up to, it, it had hailed on me or stormed on me every day for like five days straight. Mm. And then, um, I, for some reason on Princeton, I got seven blisters on my feet. And then the next day, it was like 85 and humid at elevation, like at 11, 12,000 feet. And I had all these blisters on my feet, and I was going to take good care of them. And I tripped and fell into Browns Creek, like at the beginning of the day. And so I was like, my feet were soaked, I was soaked, and it was hot and humid. And I hate hot and humid weather. It's just like all this stuff built up. And, and I was just like, I was angry that like, all these things kept happening and then the weather sucked and, and I just wanted it to be easy. And I got to the top of Lincoln and I, weather was actually pretty good. Um, and I took a nap and I like took a nap because I felt comfortable with the weather and I woke up and I don't know how it happened. It was like 10 minutes later, this massive storm was like right there. Um, like, like coming in fast. It was probably moving about 40 miles an hour and like straight for me. And you could see the lightning bolts coming out of it. I mean, it was like, it was like Zeus was up there chucking lightning bolts out. <laughs> and, and so I took off running 
because you know you to head towards you know Bross and all that you got to go like straight west and then you hook to the south and so I'm running straight into it and the whole time I'm like it's just lightning bolts and so I'm running underneath Cameron and Cameron's just getting destroyed and I just lost it I was just I was mad at God I was mad at the world I just wanted it to be easy for once you know just just one freaking mountain that it wasn't like this you know and I just lost it and I was at you know at a low point going into that but that situation pushed me over the edge and i was screaming and throwing rocks kicking things and and yeah it was bad (laughs) i'm I'm glad i was by myself because it helped to get that out but what happened was that was not what i would never have predicted was that drained me of everything like up until that point of the whole record i had felt like this was a really meaningful experience emotionally. Like I had during the record, I saw some incredible sunsets. And even though I was so out of it and sleep deprived, it just was, you know, I would like cry from happiness um, at those moments. And then after that incident, on, on, you know, below Cameron, I had zero emotion in me at all, at all, at all. Like I had nothing. I felt absolutely nothing. I felt no, joy i felt no anger i felt nothing i didn't feel angry anymore i didn't feel down anymore i felt literally nothing at all um and so when i finished i literally felt nothing and i felt like it was the record robbed that from me because i had like i said before this like cried like 10 times dreaming about how amazing this record was going to be my family was going to be there was going to be hugs and tears and all this like amazingness and when i got to the finish line I literally felt nothing. I just mm. sat down and said, I'm glad that's over. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I felt like that was one of the hardest things about the whole record is having that taken from me. Like, I felt like the record stole the record from me. I don't mm. know how to explain it. Like, it, it, I felt like I was robbed mm. um, of what I deserved. And, and that was hard. And I think, you know, if anyone's listening that wants to go after something like this, like that's the reality of how these things end up is they're depraved. I really like, that's a word I would describe the record is depraved. Like I, I felt like it depraved me of my humanity mm. by the end of it. Hmm. That's really interesting. Um, I, I mean, we go after these records and these speed climbs and they're all sort of arbitrary anyways, you know, and then once you finish it and you're expecting to have this, uh, you know, the skies open up and the sun shine down on you. And I completed this thing. And that's just not quite the way it goes. Sometimes you finish and yeah, it's just sit down on a rock and say, I'm glad that's done. Yeah. Um, was there a point uh, like a day or a few days later where you were able to really appreciate the whole thing and what you've been through? It took a while. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I was, I was excited. I mean, the whole world was excited. I set the record. So like, it wasn't that, um, oh shoot. Um, I, Oh, I'm good. Sorry. I thought I made an appointment real quick. I apologize. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> My phone just gave me a, an announcement. I'm like, Oh, did I miss an appointment? <laughs> uh, we're good. We're good. Sorry. I got, I got hours. Um, right. um, yeah. I mean, it, it was hard, man. I just, I did not have the joy out of it. It took it like absorbed over a month, I guess. I just don't know. I, I needed time. Like I literally had felt like my humanity was, taken from me and there was other things like when i i 
across the um, the Bells Traverse in a storm, in a bad storm too. I mean, it was bad. It was, it it was. I thought I was gonna die. I really did. Um, and I had to make that decision to keep going. And you know, I have kids, and like the decision was is turn around and do the right thing and be a dad and love my kids in the way they deserve to be loved and and say no or keep going and set this record and i chose to set the record and that like that kind of wrecked me that i made that decision mm. um and the uh, that was the direction i took with it and so there was just a lot of like heavy stuff to deal with so it took like a month to kind of work through that honestly to feel mm. really the joy of setting the record and you know uh, now i have joy that i set the record yeah. <laughs> um yeah, it was it was complex. It was not how I anticipated any of that to be. Wow, by any means. But you did it I against did. against everything. You did it, and um, in in the beginning, I think you said that you had a fairly decent weather window, and you missed a, a bunch of weather by getting in that car accident. But then, as you're yeah. telling the story, you're like, "Yeah, this one was a storm. The next peak, horrible storm. Between the Maroons, yeah. horrible storm." So it doesn't sound yeah. like the weather was exactly perfect. It, it wasn't, but it was better than the following weeks. So okay, it was. It was a really like I didn't climb for you know till September really after that, but um, uh, you know, but everyone was telling me how bad it was like later that month in early mm. August. Um, and you know the week before there's levels of bad weather too you know like i got in all these hailstorms you know that storm on the traverse was terrible but there's worse weather out there than i experienced Mm. um what i experienced on yale like in mid at the the week between the accident when i started was was impassable weather you know like it was it was after dark 50 mile an hour winds and like a torrential midwest style rainstorm um not the typical Colorado where it's going to, you know, storm for an hour and then the sun will come back out thing. Um, it, it rained for like 14 hours straight, um, mm. that night. And those, that's the weather I avoided. You know, I never once had like 14 hours of rain or something like that. Um, and so, yeah, I'm thankful for the weather I had. It just was not easy. I don't want to like make it sound like it was all sunny and everything. And also like the bells was the only time I had bad weather on something technical. Um, every other technical mountain uh, and the bells is the last of the technical ones on the route mm-hmm. uh, every other technical mountain i had passable weather on um, right. it, it it was great on capital it kind of stormed between capital and snowmass and then it was great on snowmass like it it was always passable and so yeah. i'm i'm thankful for that okay okay and then knowing what you know now, um, having done this thing, if you were to go back and try and set the record again, uh, what what changes would you make, whether it's logistically or route finding? Um, there was one big thing that I would change, and I'm not going to say what it is, because <laughs> I don't mean that in a bad way. Like I, There is like a part of this where the, the journey was two years, you know, like that setting the record was the two-year journey not the 14 days and so you know whoever wants to set this record next like i think that has to be part of their journey um, as mm-hmm. well and i mm-hmm. and i don't think i wouldn't feel nearly the way i do about this record had i not gone on a two-year journey to of setting this record so there was there was a big reroute i would have comboed some mountains that i didn't combo um in the middle of it other than that i think i would re-strategize my food strategy um and that 
you know, you just can't eat while you're driving all the time. And then um, I, I made all of the food that I was going to eat. And if I was to do it differently, I think I would have gotten like a bunch of takeout stuff as well, <laughs> just for taste variety, because um, I needed something more to look forward to in eating. Eating is, is well documented on these long multi-day records is one of the hardest things. Um, your body rejects food uh, big time. Like it's so exhausted. It doesn't want to put energy into digesting food. And it literally feels like you're going to throw up when you're trying to eat. At the same time, you're burning, you know, I don't know how many calories a day I burn. Well over 5,000 most likely. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, probably closer to 10. Probably closer to 10. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, you're burning 10,000 calories a day. You need to eat all the time. And, and so it's this, 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 diametrically opposed problem of of that and so the more you can do to to entice your body to want to eat good tasty food the better off you are mm. um, and so my handmade stuff was not nearly as tasty as takeout <laughs> were you making your food um like present time on the fly or were, were these pre-made meals that you had made beforehand everything was pre-made and frozen um so i had this huge freezer um, in the back. And then I had a smaller refrigerator freezer in the front. Um, and so I would move three or four days of food at a time into the smaller one, uh, two days at a time into the smaller one that was a refrigerator, um, and then eat out of that directly. Mm, okay. Okay. Well, what an adventure, right? Like looking back yeah. on this, um, and all the hardships you've, you've gone through to get this record, like, and now a little time has passed. You've been able to sleep on it. You got to feel pretty good about it, right? Like looking back on yeah. this, how do you feel? Do you feel like this is a big, this has to be like a big moment in your life? Yeah. Huge moment. Uh, yeah. you know, I, I dreamed about it for nine years. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, oh man. Yeah. No, it, it really feels good now. It really does. Like I, I, it was dark at the time and I had to work through some internal stuff, um, to, make it good uh but yeah i mean it really does feel amazing and I'm, I'm really glad it's over and um yeah it really is it's it's pretty special i yeah. I, I i wish people could experience what i've experienced this year mm -hmm. do you have anything else planned for the future um i mean having done this you've got an incredible amount of fitness and mountain climbing legs on you uh are you thinking about Nolans? Are you thinking about doing this thing faster? Are you just, yeah. I don't know what's, well, what's rolling around in your mind. Yeah. So I supported Andrea on Nolans this year, right? And uh, she set the record. That was, she's awesome. Uh, yeah. That whole experience, just supporting it was amazing. Um, that was really cool. And uh, so that, yeah, that set a Nolans bug with me. And of course, Andrew and Andrea aren't letting that go either. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Get, Good. Every time we talk to them, they're like, all right, Dan, when are you doing Nolans? Uh, <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I, I think, I think going into this year, I never thought I would be capable of doing Nolan's. Um, and then after obviously accomplishing this, I feel like Nolan's is within my scope. Mm -hmm. Um, I have, I, I would just like to finish Nolan's in under 60 hours. I also have a really interesting Nolan's project that I'm not going to announce, but that's really nice. Yeah. Okay. If I have the ability to train enough to pull it off, that would be really cool. Okay. Well, I can't wait to, to hear about it, man. And um, so are you thinking 2023? Is that uh, a goal of yours for the year? 
yeah i'm training right now um uh, like i'm gonna climb mountains next year uh so yep i'm i'm training a couple hours a day again and uh, we'll see what happens next summer nice nice i think the the beauty of something like nolan's especially i live in minnesota um is that it's you know it's 60 hours max right like i can it's not two weeks with permits that you can't avoid you know like that the 14er record was my whole life for two years and and it was my whole summer and i was gone all the time something like nolan's like i can show up if the weather's bad i can try it next week and Mm -hmm. so on and so forth um you know there will there will be recovery but it won't be you know the two months of recovery i needed from the 14er record and that sort of thing Mm. Uh, so i think in the future i'll set my sights on those kind of projects more so than the sizable one i just finished yeah well everything's got to seem easy compared to the sizable one you just finished (laughs) yeah we'll see we'll see what i say when i finish nolan's (laughs) yeah totally i mean i've taken a couple shots at nolan's and haven't had uh my my lucky weekend yet so to speak but uh yeah, just having what you have under your belt, it's got to make Nolan seem like kind of a cakewalk, even though, yeah, once you get out there, it's going to be tough and you're going to have your struggles, yeah. but um, it's uh, on, on the, on the scale, it's so much smaller than what you just did. It's got to, yeah. there's got to be a mental edge there. For sure. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not worried about Nolan's. I don't, you know, I don't know if I'll, be able to do it or not but i'm not worried about it the way i was worried about the 14 record yeah um, it's it's it'd be a it'd be like a fun endeavor uh to do nolan's um, okay. so yeah i'm excited about it nolan's is so cool dude like well you know i mean it, it's just like this really special thing and yeah it, there's nothing like it like in the rest of the world so yeah. i'm excited for that well, cool, man. When you head out this way, you'll have to let me know because I'd love to be on the team, to, whether it's crewing, pacing, climbing the last couple mountains with you, or just being at the finish line to celebrate, man. I'd, I'd love to be a part of it. Yeah. Awesome. I appreciate that. I'll reach out to you. For and sure. you're in Boulder. So I'm out in Boulder all the time. So oh, we, cool. should, uh, we should connect. Definitely. Definitely. I'd love to. Um, and then what about the future? Are you thinking three years down the road, five years down the road, or, or are you just kind of staying in the present at this point? Yeah, it's, oh man, dude, like it's, uh, this is a, there's a lot that goes on with this whole thing. So I'm 37. I set this record and like the great thing about setting records, you set a record, you feel amazing, but also the bad thing about a record, especially starting with such a huge one is that everything else sort of seems insignificant after that. Um, and so I would say this fall mentally has been quite hard for me, especially just back in Minnesota, raising my kids, trying to figure all that out, you know, like it's just, it's hard. It's really hard to step down from something. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think like I had mentioned, my dad's my climbing partner. He's in his sixties and he's a badass and he's fast. Um, I want that to be me 20, 30 years from now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do want to look at the long path here. Um, my dad would be proud of me for saying this. <laughs> he's, he's, he tells me all the time, you need to slow down and stop racing mountains because you're not going to be able to do it forever. Um, and you don't want to wreck your body to do it forever. So I do, I, I love mountains. I really do. And someday my kids are going to grow up and I'm going to hopefully move to Colorado. And, and I want to just enjoy mountains. I want to, you know, I want to climb the Sangre range from, north to south um, stay on the ridge and just experience 
the most amazing things in the mountains. Um, so I would like to, you know, pursue some more records while I'm young, but, but after that's impractical, I just, I just want to enjoy the mountains and the beauty and the goodness and all of that. Cause I don't, who can ask for more than that? Like mm. that, that, that's just the dream of a life. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I couldn't agree more. And um yeah it sounds like your heart's in the right place it's not like your ego is in charge and you just want to go out and crush all these big records and just make a name for yourself like your heart's in the right place and it sounds like um your love for the mountains is uh, what um you know outshines everything else you know you just love being in the mountains and you want to just continue exploring into old age and i'm with you there and i can appreciate that and uh i think that's special man so well, hats off to you and, and the record, man. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, I live in Colorado and it's still just mind blowing to me, like <laughs> how, how that's even possible and how it's even possible for a, a Minnesota guy to come out and do it is just mind blowing to me. So hats off, man. Congrats. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate it. Um, of course. Yeah. Well, listen, man, if you come to Boulder, please stay in touch. Um, if you're thinking Nolan's next year, again, please stay in touch. I'd love to be a part of yeah. it, or at least just come out and say congrats, but um, totally. huge accomplishment this year and uh, look forward to meeting you in person, man. Cool. Awesome. Likewise. And thank you so much. This has been awesome. I appreciate it. I really enjoyed it, man. I love talking all things 14ers, Nolans, uh, ultra, ultra marathons. I love it all. So this has been a treat for me. So um, yeah, thank you so much, man. All right. Sounds good. We'll talk to you soon. Cool, Dan. See ya. Right. Take care. See ya.